Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Where Peter Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. And you know, the cost of the plants, Trish, the cost of plants seem to never go up. I, I remember I first started working in this industry in 1989 and the average price of a plant was five pounds at the time. And it's the average price of a plant in the garden centre is still about six or seven euros. Yeah. It's, and you get such value from it. You really get such value from it. And I find particularly because I can see some people getting very stressed out about things that are, are that they're hearing on the on the news get out in the garden and you just completely switch off. You can spend hours in the garden. The hours just fly by and whatever was bothering you or worrying you, all those thoughts just seem to disappear. I don't know what it is about gardening. Well, there's a lot in that, Trish. There really is. And I mean, you've listened to me, I suppose, that for years as well. I mean, the value that we have in the garden, just I don't know what it is. Is it connect? There are studies there to, to back it up, obviously. But whether it's, you know, reconnecting with the soil and whether you call that God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. But there's huge truth in it that it, it's grounding, it's earthing to be out there working. Just even the importance of access to green space, even if you're not working in it, just being out in the garden. Uh, and there really, really is an awful lot. And, and I suppose, particularly going off the topic at the moment, but with, with everything that's happening in terms of prices and that, we just have to remind ourselves every day that we're not living in Ukraine or some other hellhole. Yeah, that's true. And, and we need to remind ourselves that everything is relative. And I think the garden is a great place to do that. Just, yeah. you know, things don't matter so much. Great point. Great point. OK, straight into questions. Now, I forwarded you on because Mary got it in nice and early, a picture of something growing in her garden where she wonders, is this a weed or a flower? They seem to be popping up in different places around the garden, the walls and the ditches. <laughs> and if it is a weed, it looks like a rather pretty looking weed because it's kind <sighs> of a light lavender colour. It is a kind of movie, isn't it? Yeah. And it's it's lovely. And, you know, before I even looked at the picture, and I'll tell you now what it is, but before I even looked at the picture, I read the question, is this a weed or a flower? And I kind of chuckled to myself because this is a question that, that never goes away, if you like. Uh, what is a weed? You know, and yeah. a weed is quite simply a, a plant growing somewhere where you don't want it. So to, to some... Uh, a plant might be a prized possession but to somebody else it could be a weed depending on on where it's growing Uh, and this is a question that as I say will go on forever because it has no definitive answer Uh, and the the picture that was sent in is a scabious it's a wild scabious it may be wild it's probably wild in this person's garden anyway Um, but that's not to say that like you'll you'll buy scabious in a garden centre for six or seven euros (laughs) you know so I mean it's not not a weed that I would be throwing out so where I'm going with that is you know, if you like it, uh, then then 
Leave it it's be. It's not a weed. Yeah, yeah it's not it a weed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because somebody else uh, has, a, has a kind of a similar question saying, I bought a shrub in a garden centre years ago and it never flowered. When I bought it, it did have a mauve flower on it, but it hasn't flowered since. Why would well, I wonder be? what it is. It, it, there's so many things that could be the reason there, Trish. Um, it, it, it could be something to do with, and I suspect the most likely thing is to do with the, its aspect. Is, in other words, is it a sun lover or a shade lover? And then it's possibly growing in the wrong aspect, which would often affect the flowering. Um, nutrient levels in the soil, such as the level of potassium and, and phosphorus, will also have an impact on flowering. You can get over that with feeding uh, and mulching and improving the soil. Uh, but also it could be a pH issue, a soil pH issue, which could interfere with the flowering. So there isn't a one catch-all answer for that one, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, but certainly send a picture in, in and we'll try and have a look yeah, at it. And I, and see I, if I, more I, get, I get the picture on to uh, Peter. Uh, hi, this is from Joe. Could you please ask Peter, my neighbour has driven nails into the bark of my Grisolinia hedging and it started to die off in places. I'm just wondering, will it come back if I remove the nails? I'm not sure that the nails actually have caused the problem. It's not necessarily, it might, that might just be coincidence. Um, will it come back if you remove the nails? I would say the answer is no. Um, whether or not they caused it, I don't know. Uh, but taking them out, like so in other words, it has got some kind of an infection now which is causing it to die back. So if it's a fungal or a bacterial infection, removing the nails even if they were the source of the infection which as i say they probably weren't but even if they were the infection is in the plant now so you need to you'll need to take action um so i would say not knowing what what's wrong with the plant not knowing what, what where what it is or what's caused it uh, i would say remove as much of the infected growth so any of the growth that's dying back now cut it back and cut into the good wood if you know trish um uh, and then feed it maybe treat it with something like a a, a good um broad spectrum fungicide like the copper sulfate but feed it then feed it with a good rich seaweed feed uh, and and hope for the best but I don't think removing the nails will, will do much for it. Okay Ted is in Ahabolic he's got what he describes as some very large planters but they're mostly in the shade what would be the best flowers to grow in a mainly shaded area? When he says flowers, I, I kind of half think he's probably talking about, you know, summer flowers, bedding plants and things like that. And if it's very shaded, you're, you are getting more and more limited. Things like some of the pelargoniums or what we call geraniums will grow in shade. And begonias, some of the tuberous begonias are very good for shade. But the heavier the shade, the, the less success you're going to have. Um so I'd look maybe towards more shade-loving perennials, in, in fact, to give you a bit of colour. And then I'm looking at the, the, the Cranesville geraniums, which are the, the true geraniums, if you like, the, the, the herbaceous geraniums that give great colour and they do well in shade. You could, if it's very heavy shade, you could also look at things like um, that will give good foliage effect, like ferns and hostas and things like that will do very well in shade. Now, hostas will also flower. And another one that will flower and grow in heavy shade is a stilbe. Uh, it's a lovely, very fern-like foliage and a lovely airy flower. Um, but in terms of, like, they're all fine. And they're, 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 the good thing about them is that they're plants that will die back for the winter and come on every year. But if you're just looking for kind of summer flowering annuals, you're very limited. I would probably be looking mostly at the begonias uh, and maybe some geraniums. Angela in the city has planted a pumpkin in a container in her greenhouse. It's now growing rampant, so she describes <laughs> it. Will it thrive if she moves it outside? Does it need to be supported or does it grow along the ground? 
I'd let it grow along the ground uh, and it should thrive outside certainly um, at this time of the year. Yeah, it should be fine. So I would move it out or it'll, it'll, it'll be like Revenge of the Triffids. It'll take over the greenhouse in no time. So move it out. Mary and Mallow, what's the best way to take cuttings from a lavender should she wait until it's stopped flowering? Uh, no, you don't need to wait. And I'm kind of chuckling to myself here because I just put together a video on, on doing just that, It'll, uh, putting it up on my own Facebook page, Irish Gardener, over the next week. So I'll show you exactly how to do it with the camera. But um, it's the right time of the year to do it. What you want to do is you want to get a cutting. With lavender, it's not going to be that long of a cutting. It's probably maybe, I suppose, maybe two to three inches. Uh, the base of the cutting has to be at a node, which is the most important thing to remember. So that's where a leaf meets the stem, because that's where the auxins are. And that they're the hormones that are responsible for the root development. So uh, take the cutting, the base of the cutting at a node, about two or three inches of this year's growth. Remove if there is a, you don't have to wait for the flowering to finish, but you don't want the flower on the cutting. So if there is a flower on the bit that you've, you're using as a cutting, just remove it. Remove anyway what we call the terminal bud, which is the top bud, if you like, Trish. So you have, you end up with about a two inch, maybe three inch cutting uh, with no flower, and you'll only leave maybe maybe two pairs, maybe three pairs of leaves uh, on the little cutting into a bit of rooting powder, into some damp compost, which is important that there does need to be some moisture on it, but it can't be too wet because obviously it'll just rot, rot the cutting. Uh, but it equally it can't be bone dry. Um, I would keep that indoors at this time of the year, even your kitchen windowsill, if you don't have a glass house or a polytunnel or anything like that. Uh, and you, you should expect it to see roots. It'll take a few weeks, but it should root away quite easily. Hetty in Glanthan has rhubarb, which she says is not doing too well. She wants to dig it up and move it to a better site. When is a good time to do that? It has already disappeared back into the ground. I think nearly every week over the last three years, we've had a question of with, with rhubarb, with rhubarb yeah, not doing well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And even when you when you were off uh, jet setting recently, <laughs> JP had a similar question and it was uh, to do with rhubarb not doing well. So anyway, uh, the time to move it, and I, I think she's probably right to move it and put try it somewhere else. Um, but the time to do that is middle of the winter. So anytime kind of, say, from November, December, January, do that. Move it to a good, open, sunny position. Rhubarb likes to be very well fed. So uh, as opposed, like the, you can pour on your, your organic feeds as well, but even better just to improve the soil in the first instance. So add seaweed to the soil, add lots of organic matter, which can be your own homemade compost, seaweed, as I say, that kind of stuff to improve the soil that it's going into in the first instance, into a sunny position uh, and, and then hope for the best then next year and in years to come. And while the rhubarb might be doing well, Sheila says, has Peter noticed how this year's yucca flowers are much bigger she said i've seen huge ones around that's funny no i haven't i haven't but it's funny as soon as you say it i'll probably stop yeah. I'll, I'll probably notice it everywhere i have noticed that i was wondering which one she was going to say because i have noticed this year in the hedgerows i thought the may tree that the crete the hawthorns were much uh, more vibrant this year and the elders which are in flower at the moment trish if you see them There's, on the hedgerows if, anybody, if yeah. anybody wants to go out and make elderflower syrup they're alive at the moment yeah which is great which is great mike in bantry wants to know what can he feed his tree fern with no need to, for mike in bantry to feed it with anything i would say um uh, tree ferns will take what they need from the air they t- the moisture in the air more so than the soil so i would leave well alone provided it's in a relatively shaded uh, sheltered from the wind, relatively shaded, damp enough environment, it, it should be fine. I wouldn't worry about feeding it, to be honest. 
my prize offering in my garden is my tree fern that I am most proud of every single year and it is huge this year the leaves are just on or the fawns wherever they're called they've grown out really big and a massive amount of them and I do uh, other than I protect it in the winter I protect the centre of it uh, for the frost but I've never I've never given it any kind of a feed they're wonderful I love them they, 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 if you put them in the right position like yeah, that like great. you obviously have yeah, then they'll thrive yeah, yeah. Just, just don't even think about uh, moving it okay also in let me move to sorry over here on whatsapps um, Jerry uh, could you ask Peter when is the best time to prune a laurel hedge well uh just reminding people that you're not allowed to cut back any hedge at the moment. So hedges are not allowed to be cut under the Wildlife Protection Act uh, until September, March to September. It's illegal because of birds and other wildlife nesting. So don't go near them at the moment. Um, the, so, which is fine actually because horticulturally the best two months to, to do it would either be end of February uh, or mid-September. So I, at this stage, I'd leave it to mid-September and cut it back then. Uh, Eileen and Clonakilty wants to know how could she make her soil more acid for a skimmia? For ischemia, well, it's kind of the, the long-winded answer is if you like, I, I kind of don't like to go against nature because nature will always win. So if your soil is is limey, you're, it's always going to be limey. You might be better off growing that skimmy in a large container or a pot. Okay, that's the first bit of advice I would give. However, if you are do want to persevere and really try and get it to, to thrive in your soil, sulfate of iron is something that'll make iron more available. It's not, it won't actually decrease the pH of the soil, but it'll make iron available to your skimmia to stop it yellowing. So in a the in a soil that the pH is too high, this leads to a thing called chlorosis for skimmias and camellias and things like this, which basically means that they can't get iron out of the soil. So if you give it sequestered or sulfate of iron, then it can, so it prevents the chlorosis. So that's one thing you could do. Aluminium sulfates is another thing you could do. You've heard, I'm sure, or people have heard of, of you know, putting rusty nails around yeah, the basic yeah. plants. To, uh, and that's because you're, you're, you're basically, you're, you're giving iron to the plant. Yeah. So that's what it is. It's true. Um, so I would say the best, what you need to concentrate on more than anything if you're putting it in limey soil is uh, sulfate of iron. Okay, and a very final one. This is weed or flower. Kath wants your opinion. What about fairy hmm. thimbles? Should I saw a white one on a ditch? I'm actually thinking of transferring it into my garden. So she obviously sees it as a flower. Do you know what a fairy yeah, well, thimble is? It won't, yeah, it's foxglove, but oh, it, foxglove. Won't, um, it won't, it won't uh, transplant. So ah. leave well alone, leave it in the wild. It's legal in the first place to take it from the wild, okay. but it, it won't plant. It won't transplant. Will not. So weed or flower? No. Oh, definitely a flower. Can you imagine if they were hard to grow? Everybody in the country would be trying to grow them. Yeah, They're gorgeous. That's true. That's gorgeous. true. Okay, so have you a busy week yeah, coming up? Yeah, yeah two, two things that I'd like to mention quickly. Okay. And the first is this weekend, uh, open gardens for the hospice, uh, Tony Barry and his neighbour, uh, whose name has escaped me, I'm sorry, but it's Tony Barry and right across the road from him in Carrick Tool in East Cork, open this weekend for the hospice. Brilliant. Check out the Hosp- Marymount website for, for more details on that. I'll put it up on my own social media as well. And also, if people have questions on Japanese knotweed, on Friday on Facebook, on my Ask the Gardener piece on, on Facebook at one o'clock, I'll be chatting with uh, uh, somebody to take all the questions on Japanese Great. knotweed and what you should do if you find it in the garden. Great, huge problem for some people. Okay, Peter, thanks for that. Have a lovely week. And, uh, and Thank Bye-bye. You. We'll chat you again next week. That's Peter at Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com. So- Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.